on a life journey. Uh, we started this series out saying that, that some people, though, live their life somewhat like they have no destination to their GPS. You know, spiritually speaking, they're just kind of like bouncing around and just trying to go through life and go through the motions when, in fact, God has destiny for our lives. God has direction for us, and He has something that He wants our lives to achieve. And so today we're going to talk about commitment levels because we're going to talk about what I've titled this message, No Exit. Have you ever been on a freeway and it feels like there's no exit when you need one? Do you know what I'm saying? You're almost ready to pull off to the side of the road. Do you know what I'm saying? Do I need to keep going? Okay, you got it. All right. So, so we, we need an exit, we feel like. But, but in life, in commitments that we make, we live in a generation, I believe, currently, that's too easy to take an exit. Too easy to look for an exit. Especially when it comes to relationships. But... But maybe in other areas of life you've experienced this. Maybe there's been something that you've committed to that you wish you could get out of. Like a timeshare. Okay. I think maybe someone can identify with that. Maybe uh, it would be a contract. Anybody remember the CD music contract? Right, where you would get all these free CDs sent to your home. Hello? And, and, and you signed up for that. Thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be so awesome. I'm going to have all this music and everything. And then they just kept coming. You know, and you're like, I don't even want these anymore. And these are not the ones I want. And this is all I can choose from. And hello? And, and so you were like, mm, I should not have signed up for this. Maybe you tried to volunteer for something or you got coerced into volunteering for something and then you were like, oh my gosh, it's the day and I've got to go and it's so beautiful outside. I would much rather be doing something else than this. But you made a commitment. What does the scripture say about when you get into something and you want out of it? You want to get out. You want to exit out. Relationships are part of our spiritual journey. And in Proverbs 17, if you have a Bible, turn to Proverbs chapter 17. And we're going to look at a verse that I've known for quite some time. Maybe if you grew up in church like I did, uh, you've heard of this proverb. But uh, th this really... Uh, shares with us what happens when you get in a relationship and it's not quite going like you'd like. You know, whenever I do a marriage ceremony, I don't know if the couple realize this or not fully when we're saying vows, but inevitably, if I'm doing the vows, I'll have them repeat after me for better 
or for? Yeah. But how many of you, you signed up for the better, <laughs> right? It's like, I, I, I'm all about that better. But maybe before the end of the honeymoon, you realize there's going to be some worse, right? There's going to be some worse that could come along in this relationship. And so in Proverbs 17, uh, we come to this thought, and Proverbs has so much wisdom in regard to relationships, but it it talks about what what do you do when the fun wears off, right? Because, you know, the fun can wear off. I I have somebody, uh, actually their family, and, and they were one time getting ready to transfer jobs and all, and they were so excited and they were like oh thank god i've got this new job it is so awesome it is so wonderful and they were just posting all this stuff about how great how awesome the people and everything and within weeks they were looking for another job and i was like what happened and and it was like what happened is humanity happened right? The people at the new job happen to have faults too. And, and hang-ups and habits and, and, and you know, it, it was all good at the beginning. Come on, somebody, right? You know how this works? But then the fun wears off and then it gets more difficult than we thought. And mm, I didn't know it was going to be like, I signed up for the better. But what is our response? What does the Bible say that our response should be? Let's look at it. Proverbs 17, verse 17. If you have trouble memorizing the Bible, this one's easy. If you can say 1717, can you say that? 1717. You can memorize Proverbs 1717 and know exactly where it is. Here's what it says. A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for a time of adversity. The Bible promises this, that life will have problems. One thing that Jesus promised, and we we like a lot of the promises of Jesus, but we're not real crazy about this one. And that is, he said, in this life, you will have trouble. How many just love that one, right? Just, oh, thank you, Jesus, you know, for that promise. But how many know Jesus was right? (laughs) That in this life, you will have problems. You'll have adversity. You'll have trials. You'll have hang-ups. You'll have habits. You'll have hurts. You'll have crises that will come. And for many of us, you're either coming out of a crisis, you're in the middle of a crisis, or you're headed into a crisis. And so challenges are going to come our way. But here's what this verse talks about, is that people are often our greatest resource to our problems. People. Not not just God, but people. God uses people in our lives. My problems, as a matter of fact, can provide purpose for your life. You know, if you talk to little kids and you ask them, 
hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And maybe somebody says, I want to be a fireman. And you know what's great is when you talk to an adult like that and you find out that they still want to be a fireman. You know, they're, they're, they are a fireman. And they like being a fireman. They feel purpose with it. But let me tell you something. The reason for a fireman is this. Fires. Right? Because if there were no fires, there'd be no need for firemen. The reason why there are marriage counselors is because people need help in their marriages. Right? If you didn't need help, there would be no marriage counselors. If there were no fires, there'd be no firemen. And so your problem gives purpose to others. And the greatest resource then in our lives can be people who are there when we need them, when we have a fire, when we have a struggle, when we have strife, when we have situations in our lives. And this verse says we have friends and we have brothers. So we have friends and family that are there for us. Now, the good news is, is if you're here today and you don't have family nearby to you, and there may be people like this because we live in a very transient culture, and so you may say, I'm a thousand miles from the closest relative to me. The good news is, is that the church can be your family. The Bible talks about we are the family of God. You know, we sing about being friends of God, but we're also more than just friends with each other. We are family with each other. Church can be family. As a matter of fact, the Bible terms us as being adopted into God's family. I got adopted in, and guess what? You did too. And the thing about being adopted into the family is you didn't get to choose it. Hello? So, so we're kind of stuck with each other. And as a result, the Bible says there are things we are called to do in that relationship. So I want to give you two things today, just a simple outline, that uh, you can take with you and help you in all your relationships as friends and family. How many like friends and family? Friends and family sale? Have you ever heard of that? And you're all about that, right? That, yeah, I'm a friend. Give me the discount, right? Give, I'm family. Give me the discount. Well, today we're going to look at what the family of God, the friends and family are called to do. First off, as friends and family, we are called to stick. We're called to stick. To stick in there. To hang in there. We are called to biblical community. I love what our student ministry does. Uh, the CSM ministry, Crossroads Student Ministry, talks about family, but they don't just talk about it. They say, let's live it. And what I love about that is, is teenagers need family. And see, some teenagers have family, but some of them, their family's not really there. They're there, but they're not really there. Because everybody's busy and got so much to do. 
And so they may have, you know, parents that are there, but not, and, and then some of them don't have both parents engaged. And, and so they don't have that. And so Crossroads Student Ministry says, hey, let's be family. Because the Bible talks about we are family. I feel some sister sledge or something coming on me right there, you know. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. But uh, as a church family, what about adults, huh? What about adults? What do we do? We have something we call on-ramp. And and in this class that happens on the second and third Sundays of the month, we talk about two different things that we'd like for adults to do to be part of the Crossroads family. One of them is join a dream team of volunteers where you feel included, where you feel like you're contributing, where you feel like you're a part of this church family, and you're using the gifts, talents, and abilities that God put within you for the purposes of God. And and there's nothing like it, right? There's nothing like that. And, And so it's not about, oh, we need somebody to serve over here. Would somebody please do it? <laughs> somebody? You know? No, it's not about that. It's about what you get out of it when you volunteer. It's about what happens to you when you're a part of a dream team. Here's what happens. I'll go around on Sundays a lot of times and I'll, I'll thank volunteers for serving. I'll say, hey, thanks for serving back here with the, with the kids, you know, and I'll say, hey, thank you for letting me volunteer back here. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of this. I mean, I, I love it. I love giving back. I love using the gifts, talents, and abilities that God's given to me. The other thing that we say is not just join a dream team of volunteers, but you could join a life group of people. Yeah, you, you could get in with other people and, and do what we call connect. We want you to worship, to connect, to serve, to share, but you connect with others in that group experience, and it's something that you can't do on a Sunday morning when everybody's facing the same way. And here's the thing is when you take a step closer, when you begin sharing your life with others, here's what happens is God uses you sometimes to be a resource to other people. Because you may say, well, Craig, I don't feel like I need a group. You know, maybe you you do. You probably need that. But but I don't need, need that group or whatever. It's not about you and what you need. It's if you feel like you've got it together, all the more you need to be in a group so you can help some other people. And you'll feel good about doing that when you do it. And I guarantee you, if you live long enough, there'll be times where you need it, where you need other people who will pour into you. Now, what kind of a person should I be for others? He, he talks about how, you know, we're friends and family. Now, I grew up in, in church where we used to do this. We, we had people, and I can remember this as a little kid, where there was a lady, especially in our church, that I didn't even know she had a first name other than sister, okay? And, and her daughter uh, attends this church, and, and, and so I just knew her by sister by master, 
Because everybody called her that. And I'm sure she had a real first name. But to this day, I have no idea what it is or what it was. But it was sister by master. And we'd have brother, so-and-so. And so we would refer to people like that. Now, I think there's value in knowing people's names. I think it's good that you know people's names. But I do think there's something somewhat missing when we fail to remember that you're my brother or you're my sister. See, you are my family. We are family. We are in this together. And we do have one another's backs. See, I, I texted somebody last night and my family lives down in Florida just to encourage them. That I, I was like, I've got your back. I'm praying for you. Because uh, my sister told me of the struggle they were going through and different things and how they were hoping to be able to talk to me and different things. And I just sent them an encouraging text last night. And I'm telling you, you need people in your life who can do that for you. And you need to be the kind of person that can do that for others as well. And I think we miss something when we don't do that. Now, we live in a generation where we consider ourselves connected, right? I can just text whoever. I can tweet. I, I can Instagram. I, I can do all kinds of stuff. I, I can just contact all kinds of people and, and get a hold of hundreds of people just and think I'm connected. But yet, I think we live in one of the most disconnected, disjointed, dysfunctional, dissing generations that's ever been. I mean, we, we, we go on social media and we'll say some stupid stuff, right? <laughs> Hello? How many know there's some stupid out there, right? You've never done it, right? But, but, but you, and you, you can find yourself hopping in on it or participating in it or, or filling your mind with it. And the next thing you know, you, were, you thought you were having a good day, but you're not now because you're ticked off about that. <laughs> I, I'm upset. I didn't even know that was going on, but now that I do know what's going on, I'm, I'm upset about it. And what happens is, is some of us, we, we get drawn into these things when, when the Bible says, no, you're, you're supposed to live above that and be there in the difficult times for others. And here's, here's the thing about that, too, is, is some of us are good about being there in the difficult times. In other words, if you're going through a difficult time, some of us, we're there. Hey, hey, here's a gift card. Go get something to eat. Your house burnt down. You're, here's some clothes. Here's some, you know, hey, uh, your car isn't working here. Borrow my car. And, all. and we're good about when there's difficult times with others. But how about when there's difficult people in your life? I'm not talking about the house burnt down. I'm talking about you don't like what they just said about you. You don't like how that came across. You don't like that picture they posted of you and you told them not to do that. You said it wasn't your best look. There they go posting that. 
And, and, and then we get offended, and here's what is easy for us. Well, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I, I'm unfriending you. Well, unfollow you. You know, and, and we, 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 we think, well, I'll just go find somebody else now. And Proverbs says that's not, the, that's not the way that we should do things. We should stick with each other through the problems. We shouldn't be as the world. We should be as the family of God. Too many people think when something happens, it's time to either fight or flight. You know, either, okay, you said that, mm, it's on. It's on like Donkey Kong. You know, I'm, you know, I mean, you messing with me. Or, okay, you messed with me, I'm out of here. I, I mean, there's more fish in the sea. I, I can just go on, I'm going to do something else and, and get with another group. So it's fight or flight. Or, and, and what happens is, is for five years, we're still all tied up about it. It's like, no, nah, I moved on. I don't, don't talk about it. It's like, no, you've not moved on. No, it, it's still there. And see, neither of those, fight or flight, resemble the family of God. What we need to be is not fight or flight, but tight. God's called us to be tight, to be in there, to hang together, and, and, and to not get comfortable with our criticism, where if I can spend about five minutes judging you, that's five minutes I don't have to hear about myself and the conscience that God's trying to work through me about something that he's dealing with in my life. In other words, I'll throw it off on somebody else. Hello? We're to love. Here's what it says. You ready for this? At all times. What? that in there? At all times. You know, some of us, we're more concerned about keeping our golf membership than we are about keeping in tight with the family of God. And I'm telling you, that's jacked up. There, there's something wrong with that. What we need to do is understand that there will be disagreements, but God will use those to grow you in maturity. And some of us need to grow up. Now, I expect Washington, D.C. to be immature, okay? I, I, I don't like it. I, I, I sit there and I think, what if everybody got together, what could they come up with? What great programs, what great things could be accomplished? How many people could be lifted up? How many people could be helped? What difference could be made in this world if people would cross the aisle, if people would work together hand in hand, if people would really come together? What would that look like, right? But I don't know, I'm not hoping for it. I mean, I'm hoping for it, but I'm not expecting it in Washington, D.C. But I am expecting it in the family of God. We should expect it 
in the family of God. It should be that we don't just easily dust our hands off of other people. Say, well, I'm done with that. I'm done with that person. We shouldn't look like the world. We should look like how God treats us. That even when we were yet sinners, he died for us, right? Here's the second thing. We're not only called to stick, we're called to stand. We're called to stand side by side, shoulder to shoulder, next to each other, fighting a common enemy, and that common enemy is not each other. And here's one word that will help you with this, okay? This one word will help you with marriage, okay? Some of you are going to get some free marriage counseling right now. Free help with your teenagers and whatever. Okay, here, here's, the, here's the one word. Free help with your parents, you know, that are so, so ignorant, you know, and don't know anything and all. You know, th- this will help you right here, this one word. It's the word perspective. Perspective. I mean, whether it's, it's marriage or whether it's with, with your kids or whether it's with your parents or whether, whatever it is, your coworkers or whatever perspective will help you. I don't know if you've ever seen golf on TV before, but, um, you know, these guys, these are amazing golfers, and I'm not one of those, okay? I go out every once in a while just to remind myself why I should not be out there. And so, uh, you know, sometimes I'll watch golf, and, and this guy hits it on the green, and then he'll come up there, and this guy, it's not like he's not seen that green before. He's played this course who knows how many times. He plays golf all the time, and he'll get his putter out, and he'll get back from the ball, and he'll hold it in the air. He'll get down. And then he'll walk over here. And then he'll walk over here. And then he'll walk over here. And I'm like, would you hit the freaking ball? I could have gone and had dessert by now, you know, or something. This, how long is this going to last, you know? And, and, and so finally, after, after all that, he'll get ready to hit the ball. What's he doing? He's getting perspective. Because here's what he knows. Is it may look flat from here, but it may not be flat. And if I'll get over here, I may see that it's going to curve to the left, but I wouldn't have seen that if I hadn't stepped over here. And see, I don't know if you've ever had this or not, but I've been in a restaurant before, and I've been like, where is she? Should I start choking over here? I've been out of iced tea for how many minutes now, you know? And, and I'll say to my family, there's the pitcher. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Dad, sit down. Sit down. Do not embarrass me. I'm like, hey, I, I'm going to help out. You know, I can go over there and help myself, you know. But, but, but how many of you 
in conversation then find out, oh, I'm so sorry that I wasn't able to get over to your table like I'd like to because they slammed me with a whole bunch of tables all at once. And you know, I'm on my second job right now. And, and I'm just trying to keep up with everything. And, and uh, you know, I, as a single mom, it's just tough and, and, and all. I, I, you know, so please, I'm not making excuses. I, I'll, I'll take better care of you and everything. I'm about ready to invite her to sit down and eat my food, you know. <laughs> you, 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 hey, you sit down. I'll take care of everybody, you know. <laughs> now, what happened? Nothing changed except my perspective. And, and see, if we get a perspective on what other people are going through, it just might change everything in your marriage. It just might change everything on your job. It just might change everything around you because of what God wants to do in you. First Samuel. Chapter 25, let me tell you a quick story. David knows he's going to be king. He's been anointed with oil. People have prophesied over him, I'm going to be king, you know. But in the meantime, the guy who is king wants to kill him. Now, can you say job insecurity and, and situations, you know, problems? You know, they, I didn't sign up for that. And so... Saul's trying to kill him, so he's running around, and he's got a few hundred men with him. And out in the woods and all, he, he finds some people, and this guy's name is Nabal, and, and, and he says, hey, let's just hang out here. It looks like, you know, we can kind of hide ourselves here, and, and we'll take care of this guy. And if people try to come in and steal his sheep or whatever, we'll run them off, and we'll protect him. And so they do this for a whole season. And then comes shearing time. It comes time where they're going to get all the profits. And Nabal's going to be sitting back counting all of his money and everything. And, and so David says, hey, hey, a few of you go and tell Nabal, hey, buddy, uh, we've enjoyed being able to protect you all this time and everything. You know, is there any way you might want to like, send a blessing our way? And so he sends these guys to say this to Nabal, and here's what Nabal does. He says, who is this David? I don't even know who that might be. Who's out here running around in the country? I don't even know what that means. I don't even know who that, who that is or whatever. Forget that. I, I'm not giving him anything. And they go back and tell David what Nabal said. And David is incensed and says, boys, strap on your swords. We're going to town. And he says, so help me. There won't even be one man left alive over there by the time we're finished. And they start coming that direction. Well, the co-workers of Nabal go to his wife, Abigail, and say, hey, here's what your husband just did. And she's like, oh, my gosh. Get food ready. 
send it toward David. Just start shipping it. Just start going. Just start shipping everything you can his way. And in the meantime, I'm going to get on my donkey. I'm going to start riding that direction as well. And and we're going to handle this thing. And so all these supplies start coming toward David as he and his men are marching to town. And she gets off her donkey in front of David and bows before him and calls him master. And she says this. She says, you know what? You're going to be king one day. And what you don't want is you don't want on your conscience something that you didn't have to do. And you know, my husband, his name means fool. That's what she said. His name means fool. And that's what he is. Now, I'm not making excuses for him. What I am saying is, we're here to make it right. And you've got a choice, David. You could choose to take matters into your own hands and try to deal with this in your own way. And you'd have to live with this the rest of your life. I'm not saying you won't be king or whatever because I know you're anointed to be king. But what I'm saying is, is the path to get there may be one that messes up your conscience. But you don't have to do that. You could choose differently. And you know what he does? He says, honey, you're a woman sent from God because you have shifted my perspective. See, before you got here, I only had one perspective. But now, I see it from a different angle. I see it differently now. And you know what? You're right. I do have a choice in this. Let let me just stop and say this, Crossroads family. Don't ever say, you offended me. Don't, Don't ever say that. Because no one has that kind of power over you. No one has that ability over you. You choose to be offended. You have to take offense, right? You have to take it. Because someone come up to you and say, your mama wears army boots. <laughs> and you can say, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that comment. And you don't have to be offended. You take offense. And David learned that day, I don't have to stay offended. I don't have to choose this. I can choose something differently. And let me tell you something. You will be offended. Okay? I'll offend you at some point in time. I'm just telling you, it'll happen. I I won't want to or whatever. And if I haven't offended you already, either you're very mature or you don't know me very well. (laughs) Because I can offend my own family at times. Hello? 
right? So, so we, we and, and sometimes family can offend more than anything, right? Because we know each other so well. And, and so here's what we, where we've got to get to is where we're above that, right? Hello? Is the Holy Spirit maybe speaking to somebody right now about something that you're dealing with at work or maybe in your marriage or maybe in your family or maybe in some situation or maybe on social media or somewhere and God is intending it to deepen you and to develop you and all and you're allowing it to destroy you. And what you have to do today is decide that I don't have to be that way. I can be a person of mercy. I can be like Abigail. I can be somebody who stands in the gap and makes up the difference. I can be someone who speaks life over others in a culture that is so easy to go negative, in a culture that is so easy to be judgmental and and to be all up in other people's stuff and whatever ignoring our own stuff. I don't want to be that way. I want to be what God wants me to be, and that is to be a friend that sticks closer than a brother like we learned last week. I want to be somebody who is that one called to be there. Just like I, they are just called to be there. And in that biblical community, here's what happens. We can live free, Right? Because if you can't be offended, you live free. Right? If, if you say, well, I'm just not going to receive that. I'm just not going to take that offense into my life. Life's too short to live it offended. I, I, I'm not going to be that way. I, I, I'm going to choose to live differently then let me tell you something. Here's what happens. God begins to work in your life, and David became the king after all. He got to the throne after all, and he was able to get there without a conscience of a bad choice and bad decision on his life. How many of you would like to live life that way with fewer regrets, fewer remorse, where you have done it the way God wants you to do it, to live according to God's plan. And it happens when we do something more than fight or flight, we begin to stick together tight. And as we do that, we can do anything. We can do anything. Because Jesus said, if any two of you will agree as touching anything you will ask, it shall be done of our Father in heaven. Proverbs says two are better than one because if one falls down, the other one can pick them up. Jesus said when two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Sometimes I think the devil understands the power of unity more than the people of God do because he's doing all he can to keep us separated, but I'm not going to let him do it. How about you? I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to flight. I'm going to stick tight and shoulder to shoulder. We will win the victory in the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today 
that you can heal marriages, you can restore relationships, you can do things in this place today because you're a God of miracles. But God, it also involves our choice and our choosing to maybe see things from a different perspective. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Craig, man, I I, want to see things from God's perspective. I don't want to look at my job the way that other people do or the way that I would be tempted to do. I don't want to look at my marriage just from one angle or, or relationship with my kids or my parents or whatever it is in your life right now. But, but I want to see it from a different angle. I want to see it most of all from God's perspective. And friend, I believe if we'll do that, there'll be incredible unity that'll be built in it. If that's your prayer, if that's your desire, if you, if you choose today to lay down any kind of offense, that any, any kind of ill remorse or negativity of this world in your life, and you just choose to lay it down and say, no, I'm not going to let that bog me down any longer. I choose to live free in Christ alone. Will you raise your hand up right now and just say, yeah, that's my desire. Hands all over this room. Father in heaven, I pray that in every school building, in every work environment, in every home this week, you'll do a work. God, not, not just that something magical will happen. The magic will be our attitude because there's going to be a shift. And we're not going to see things the way we used to see them. And we're not going to put our feelings out there on social media so everybody can tell us how we ought to feel. We're going to let the Word of God tell us how we ought to feel. We're going to let the Holy Spirit work in our lives and help us to grow and mature and develop our faith and our walk so that we're stronger and we're better as a result of what we're going through. And Father, I pray today that you will establish that in every person in this place. While we're still praying, there may be some here, like in the first service, that maybe you you don't feel a connection with God. When we sing about the good, good Father and our relationship with Him and, and when we talk about hearing from God and things like that, maybe, maybe that's just not the world you live in because you feel disconnected from God. And if you're here this morning and you say, Craig, I, I don't want to feel that way any longer. I, I don't want to live my life without God. I, I don't want to feel separated from God. I, I want to feel united with him. The Bible talks about how that in spite of ourselves, God sent Jesus to die on the cross for us so that we could be redeemed from our sin. We could be rescued. We, and the choice is up to us. He's already done everything he's going to do. And it makes no difference whether you accept him or not. He has done it anyway. He has sent his son to die for you. But today, you have the option, you have the choice choose to be forgiven to choose to come into relationship with him and if you'd like to choose that right now I want to help you just to be able to feel that connection with God that I so appreciate every day of my life and if you'd like to have it too just raise your hand and say yes that's me I I need that with God today how many are here slip it right up yes I see that hand yes I see that hand 
How many others? All right, there's been at least a few hands around the room. So we're going to pray this prayer. Crossroads family, just pray it out loud so, to give encouragement to everyone who raised their hand to pray this prayer. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me, to pay for my sin. I know I've sinned, and I want to start over. So please wash away my past. Free me of my guilt. From this point on, as much as I know how, I surrender my life to you. Thank you for accepting me as a child of God today. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, come on. Let's praise God. Listen, we would love to help you again to continue.